SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. I'd like to welcome our first A-team guest, uh, Dr. David Rosenstein, uh, Rosenstein, who's an experienced clinical psychologist and cognitive behavior therapist. Thank you very much for joining us, uh, Dr. Rosenstein. Uh, it's a pleasure. Good evening to you and to all the listeners out there. So when we were looking at this uh, topic of social phobia, for me, I thought, she, my goodness, are these people who are never seen in public? But then with a bit of research, I realized that there are some famous people. In fact, one particular president, Abraham Lincoln, who suffered from uh, social phobia. So it's not something rare or something new. It's something that has been there for a long time. Could you please tell us mm-hmm. what what... What does it look like? Because when I think of uh, Abraham Lincoln, I think of a man who had many pictures in the public, who addressed the public, who was affluent, who was powerful, who led the United States at the time of his presidency. And I I can't see the telltale signs that he had any phobia, such as social phobia. Hmm. Um, I mean, that doesn't surprise me. I, I mean, in my practice, I've met lots of people who would say their friends are very surprised when they've told them I'm actually very socially anxious. Um, I mean, we, we, one thing to do is not to confuse it with sort of an extroverted or introverted person. And many people are quite introvert, extroverted, sorry. Um, you know, they, they enjoy social interaction and want to be with people, but they do have social, social phobia. I mean, we call it social anxiety. It's a, it's a spectrum. It's very broad. Um, and it ranges from extreme forms of shyness to avoidance of many different social situations. Um, and that's where it's a bit different to what we see as a typical phobia. We have a fear of a, uh, dogs or a fear of an elevator or heights or flying in a plane. It's, it's fairly narrow and specific. Social anxiety or social phobia tends to be a little bit more generalized abroad. So it's not necessarily a specific social situation, but it's a number of them. Now, how does one uh, doctor recognize some of the signs and symptoms? Because I'll give you an example. Um, I enjoy being with people um, and I'm not a shy person, but there's one thing for certain. I I would rather keep my own company. I'd rather be home um, with my my kids and my family as opposed to being in a place where there's a lot of people because then I know I need to always be conscious. Uh, is that one of those anxieties, the fact that I'm always conscious around people? So, I mean, one of the things, I'm, and this is sort of uh, what we call a bit of normalization, uh, we all have some level of social social anxiety. It's actually quite important for us because it protects us from, you know, being too open with someone we don't know very well or being taken advantage of. Um, that's one aspect of it. And I think... I think many people do feel that uh, in terms of what you're describing to some degree, you know, feel a little bit of awkwardness if you're going to, I mean, I don't think, or I hope none of us are going to, to big parties or gatherings, but I mean, if you were in the near future to do something, oh, hopefully, um, you know, you may feel a little bit uh, um, awkward or anxious if there's people there that you don't know well. And I think that's that's quite common. Um, where it begins to differ is where the person feels like the intensity of anxiety, how long you feel it for, and the person also begins to avoid situations. They actually don't go out. Um, and uh, when we look at the intensity, there's a sort of a, a very strong fear of embarrassing themselves or 
looking awkward or being judged. And, and again, we all have that a little bit, but it's how, how much of that someone has with social anxiety. That's why we say it's a spectrum. It's not a, it's not sort of a clear cut, um, differentiation. And, uh, they also have a lot of anticipatory anxiety, sort of dread of, you know, oh, sure, I've got this thing I have to do, this speech I need to prepare for, or I'm going to be at this event, or I'm going to meet this new person. And there's a strong level of anticipatory anxiety even before they're actually in that situation as well, which is something we find is also much more intense than someone with social phobia, social anxiety. And and when I was looking at the history of uh, um, Abraham Lincoln, I realized that um, this uh, social phobia is not something that uh, just springs up when you're an adult. It's something that is caused by life experiences. I mean, in his case, as a child, he lost his mother. And when he was 18, he lost his uh, sister, older sister. And uh, throughout the course of his life, he lost 10 of his 12 children. And yeah. that could have uh, possibly, according uh, to those who were um, analyzing his behavior, uh, brought up that uh, social anxiety or social phobia. But looking further, I, 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 I'm, I'm told that approximately 40% of social phobias occur prior to the age of 10. So mm. how bad is this in kids? And and I, I worry because there's a lot of people who are guardians and a lot of people who are who, who are parents and no one wants their child to, to fear social surroundings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and mean, we see it as one of the most common uh, types of anxiety or anxiety. Uh, I mean, we just call them disorders because it, it, it can impair your life or does if, you, if you're suffering from it. Um, you know, you're very avoidant, and you're really struggling with your social anxieties. And I mean, yeah, for many people, they can trace it back to a childhood or developing it in childhood or childhood experiences, traumas, um, as you've as, you man- as you've mentioned in uh, Lincoln's life, um, that's not always the case. I mean, some individuals can't pinpoint it to a specific event or, or stresses or trauma. Um, I mean, we see in young children, they, there's a disposition they have, like a sort of their, in their developing personalities, they're a little bit more shy or avoidant. Um, some children have something called separation anxiety. Um, you know, and it doesn't always... It, it strongly lines up with social anxiety, but doesn't work out that way. So, being away from mom or dad, um, or going to school, and then you know you leave your child there, but there's this sort of immense anxiety. It takes a while for it to resolve. Um, is is a feature we may find in in young children, or that links to social anxiety. So there are lots of. Um, I mean, it, it it's you can pinpoint it in childhood um, a lot of the time. Um, I know you're also through clients have seen and there's what we call epidemiological studies which looks at when it occurs and, and uh, how many people suffer from it, etc. We sometimes find that um, when people come for therapy or treatment and need to get help for it, it's often later in their lives. They're already uh, sort of in teenager, young adulthood um, you know, that it really gets them. So if I've got a child and I, I notice some of these symptoms, um, Dr. Rosenstein, how do I then assist my child in, 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 in trying to remedy this issue, especially because you don't want to, um, you know, shock a child by all of a sudden changing things around in the house or changing their environment, but you, you want to do it in such a way that it's loving and the child is able mm-hmm. to accept it. I mean, we often, um, I mean, 
if it's if it's quite um, if your child is really struggling and and is really wanting to be avoidant, doesn't really want to see friends, I'd potentially recommend um, getting some help from someone who specializes in social anxiety or social phobia. But what we encourage parents to do is to help their child to develop um, and to not avoid, or but, but develop good um, relationships and friendships and take those, uh, call them appropriate social risk. Um, and to kind of, uh, I think, I mean, I'm a parent and I can be a bit of a helicopter parent. I try not to, and, and that's not helpful. So you know, encouraging your, your child to take also those sort of appropriate, um, and I say appropriate, you know, appropriate risk um, in, a, in um uh, and venturing and exploring the world and friendships, etc., depending on what age your child is. So you want to do that. And if you see your child as being quite shy, not to push too hard. I think you do you do want to be compassionate and sensitive, but that won't work either. You know, if they really, if it becomes an argument or you know, because we get anxious as parents, and then it doesn't always it can sometimes not end up you know going well. Mm. Um, so. You know, you've got to choose your struggles at times, but to try um, encourage um, socializing and developing connections with friends. I mean, that's huge, especially in childhood. So we know children, you know, where parents um, are arranging playdates and facilitating these things help them immensely. And currently, unfortunately, we're at a time where we're all very isolated, so that mm-hmm. also doesn't help. Um, it certainly wouldn't help with, uh, you know, if someone's struggling with social anxiety at this time. A-team, as we are talking about social phobia or social anxiety, as uh, Dr. David Rosenstein has put it, uh, this is uh, this is a condition that uh, quite a lot of people are facing. And I'd like to hear from you as an A-teamer if you've observed some signs that uh, Dr. Rosenstein has uh, mentioned in your child and yourself and how they have impacted your day-to-day living. You can call in on 011-714-2006. WhatsApps go to 0614-104-107 or SMS on 41391. I've got uh, a WhatsApp here that comes uh, from um, Pastor Magwaza in Durban. Pastor Magwaza says, good evening. Uh, I think at times I'm antisocial because I don't like visiting people's homes, but meeting them in an open space makes me feel relaxed. Also, when they come to my house, I am so okay with it. Am I correct in this? Uh, I mean, yeah, look, could be preferences. Um, I'd probably need a bit more. I mean, I, I would never really want to diagnose someone on radio. So, but he's, it sounds like. Um, you know, there's some um, can kind of uh, connect with a lot of what we're talking about. So yeah, I look, some people are more anxious socializing um, or going to a party, uh, but then hosting is fine, and then vice versa. So you know, you could feel quite anxious actually hosting, but when you go to other places, it's, it's okay. I mean, a common um, experience I've encountered with people is they'll say, "Sure, you know, I can stand up in front of an audience of a hundred people and be." be fine and I think for most people that's terrifying um, but yet meeting someone new one-on-one is scary and it's very counterintuitive you know it goes against our, our gut on you know in terms of that it's sort of like sure that it almost doesn't make sense to a lot of people but that is how some of these things can play out um, you know 
Now, uh, Vuyo in Bloemfontein says, Patricia, please ask whether strict parenting can contribute, like parents who don't allow their kids to go play outside with other kids. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think forms of strict parenting. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I know we all kind of vigilant around safety and, and cautious about our children playing outside and for various reasons, you know, you live on a busy street, etc. But uh, it's kind of trying to balance that. Um, if you do restrictive, so strict can kind of become restrictive and you, uh, you know, you're very watchy and careful about everything your child does. And often um, sort of your your language and is very much about checking and warning them and you know you must do this that cannot be helpful um it's not just around social anxiety but we know that that is a potential contribution we call it modeling and the kind of parental containment or the parental facilitation and, and development you know that can be very restrictive for a child so um i know it sounds quite vague when i say be balanced in that approach but it's letting your child again take those appropriate social risks not being too guarded and overly protective could be and and actually it would probably fit with being overly strict um, and letting your child explore the world Uh, i think we do encourage parents to do that and uh, help them kind of achieve more of those balances because that can come from a lot of reasons parents learn maybe from their own parents that they you know their their parents were strict so sort of this intergenerational um, aspect of parenting or they're anxious parents and sometimes parents who are anxious are also more strict I mean there could be a lot of other reasons for that so sort of trying to know that as well as a parent uh, what some of your reasons are for I mean again I use the word helicopter parenting it's that that over protectiveness one mm. to be careful mm. so so our behavior as guardians and parents it does contribute to this and, and I'm sure the behavior of educators as well um, now, uh, Doctor, let, let, let's look at the situation in the workplace. And I'm going to use another example of a famous person, Barbara Streisand. Barbara is, is world known. She's a great musician. But at some point in her career, because she suffers from panic attacks and anxiety disorder and you, you, the social um, anxiety disorder, she at some point in Central Park in New York City had a concert and then she just blanked out. She forgot the lyrics to a song um, that she was singing and then she she just started developing intense fear and for 30 years she stopped performing in public Mm. what is the impact of um, social anxiety in the workplace for people who have it yeah Uh, it's a great question Um, and one I encounter fairly often Um, so we know it has quite a significant impact on um, performance, uh, being able to, uh, you know, do your best. Uh, also, uh, progression, if your job or the work you're in allows you to do that. Um, if your role has some social, you know, bigger social components, so you're not like a lab technician or a programmer where maybe you're a, an IT manager and you're trying to grow in that area, it can limit you immensely. Or you maybe need to lead teams or uh, conduct feedback sessions or things like that. So um, I've experienced uh, people with social anxiety avoiding things, avoiding opportunities where they're able to um, have experiences which, which may help them grow in their in their careers. 
Um, and it can be severe enough where a person actually struggles to complete university or tertiary education, um, even school. And um, it's not even about how smart you are. Some of these individuals are incredibly smart, but they're just so anxious and avoidant that they lose out on opportunities and it just affects their ability to perform well. So it can be, it, I know there are some studies, mostly U.S., that actually look at those kinds of impacts. I know they're very significant. We don't have any tracking data like that in South Africa, but it, but it's significant. It's, uh, mm. yeah. Stephen in Randburg says, Hi, Sis Pat. I've always known I was gay since a young age, but I hated it when people always told me don't, that I don't behave or talk like other boys. That made me shy away from a lot of company or even talking in a group of people. Until now, it still affects me sometimes. Could this mm. be some kind of phobia? It can, you know, look, it can relate, absolutely. Um, so, I mean, I know it's not exactly the same as, as what happened with Barbara Streisand, but when, you know, it can take a very short period of time to develop it, unfortunately, um, where someone has a very embarrassing experience, um, it doesn't have to be a set of experiences, and they become very, very self, um, sort of aware and, and you know, which is about that criticism and being judged. Um, so it can be about a whole number of aspects about a, uh, you know of an individual. Um, a lot of people with social anxiety are concerned about their intelligence. There's this aspect of a called imposter syndrome, where you feel like you're just going to be found out. You can be very competent at your work, um, and it doesn't matter what kind of work you do, but you have this fear that someone's just going to find out that I'm actually not very good at what I do. And that's very common. It's not just something you have in social anxiety, but it's just an example of where, you know, it can kind of be about. I mean, so I think the caller, or sorry, the, I don't know if it was a caller or the person texting, that, I mean, it could, that could lead to social anxiety um, and avoidance. How do we then, very possible. How do we then treat it, Dr. Rosenstein? Is there treatment for it medically or even psychologically? Mm. There are very effective treatments for it. It can definitely be treated. And uh, we know from a lot of, uh, we, we call it clinical research, but in mental health, that the treatment outcomes are generally good for social phobia, social anxiety. I mean, the core kinds of treatments are called, it's a bit wordy, it's cognitive behavior therapy. Um, so it's evidence-based, so there's lots of research that support it. And there are many kinds of cognitive behavior therapy um, that a person can do. Um, so I know that may also sound a bit um, vague, but it's a it's a talk therapy. So you'd you'd see a psychologist. Um, in South Africa, it's mostly done by psychologists, and and uh, um, in overseas, you can have uh, other practitioners uh, deliver CBT. And uh, if that isn't helping you, then you can also look at medications. Um, and normally that's considered if it's depressed, they've been struggling with it for a very long time, uh, they have other problems, maybe they, because substance use is also very common. Um, a lot of people drink because they want to go out and they find when they drink, they kind of lose their inhibitions and they're not thinking as much about their anxiety. Um, so there we may look at some, you know, potential medication options, working with a psychiatrist, other mental health care professionals. Um, so those are other considerations that we would would make in treating it. For people who, who need assistance, how do they get in touch with you, Dr. David Rosenstein? 
Um, so I'm, well, I'm based in Cape Town. Um, you can look um, at rosensteintherapy.com. Um, so you can get me there on my website. Or And there's also, actually I must mention, there's, there's the South African Depression and Anxiety Group. Um, they can also get you in touch with people who do CBT. These are psychologists and experts, um, and they also offer sort of online or telephonic services if you're really struggling. So that's also an option besides, um, you know, getting hold of someone like me who does cognitive behavior therapy. Thank you so very much for joining us and shedding light on this uh, particular phobia. It's been such a great pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Good night, everyone, and to yourself.